Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for our Word of the Day. Uh, this morning we're getting into a study in the book of Job. We're specifically today looking at Job chapters 1 and 2. Uh, Job is a very, it's a very interesting book. It's a, it's a book that's, that's filled with some incredible truth uh, about God and some incredible truth about uh, our lives and why we go through what we go through. But it's, it's also a difficult book to read because Job is trying to answer a couple questions that we've all had from time to time. Uh, namely, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, is God just? Is God fair? And if God is just and if God is fair, does the world operate on the justice and the fairness of God or is it something completely different that we can't understand and can't know? And the problem is uh, the book of Job never really answers these questions outright. And Job, uh, he suffers incredibly. He uh, loses everything he has, his, his children, his wealth, his, the respect of his wife. Uh, he loses everything and his friends come to comfort him and they're not very helpful. And so Job kind of gets upset and starts accusing God of not being fair, of not being just. And he gets to have a conversation with God. And that's a wonderful story that ends pretty well. But we're going to get into chapters 1 and 2 this morning. So Job chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Now, we do not know where Uz is. We don't know a lot of things about the book of Job. We don't know who the author is. Uh, we don't know where the land of Uz is. We know it's far away from, from where the nation of Israel is today. Um, Job was not an Israelite. Uh, a lot of theologians believe that the book of Job, the events in the book of Job, predate the flood. And so this is kind of pre-flood world, and Job's somewhere we don't even know where it's at anymore. He's not an Israelite, but there are no Israelites this time. Uh, his friends aren't Israelites, and they're from places we don't know where they're at. So we don't really have a historical point that we can look at and say this is when it happened. So, you know, when we say it, it happened pre-flood, that's just kind of our best guess um, because of the writings and the writing style. But we don't have any any definitive answer about who this man is, where this man lived, what time this man lived in, what was going on. And that's intentional. Uh, because a lot of times we can get kind of caught up in the details of those things, and God wants us to be able to apply this this story to our lives today. So it says he was a just uh, Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. So he had ten kids. His substance also was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels and five hundred yoke of oxen and. 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men in the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sin and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, Thus did Job continually. So we learn a lot about Job right off the bat. We learn, first of all, he's a very wealthy man. Uh, he has a lot of possessions. The Bible says he's the greatest in his land. Uh, so he's very, very wealthy. He's very successful. He's very 
revered and, and has a lot of authority. He has 10 sons and daughters, uh, but he also, he loves God. He's a, he's a true follower of God. It says that he was a perfect man. That word perfect, it means that he is, he is morally innocent and mature. It says that he was upright. That word upright, literally in the Hebrew, it means uh, to be straight, to be transparent. Uh, Job was an open book with, with God. He was on a good relationship with God. He was pleasing and correct. It said that he feared God. Of course, that doesn't mean he was scared of God, but he respected God and he, he loved God. And then he eschewed evil. It meant that he, would, he went out of his way to avoid wickedness and sin. He, the word eschewed means to spit out, to turn from. So he was a, a very righteous man, morally speaking, uh, but he didn't rely on his moral righteousness to be right with God. He feared God. He loved God. He, he was such uh, so respected God that he would even offer sacrifices for sins his children may have committed just to make sure that they were on a right standing with God. So right off the bat, we know Job's, he's a good guy. Uh, he's got a lot going on for him, but he, he doesn't, you know, get puffed up and prideful. He doesn't use his success or his wealth or his prosperity to reject God or ignore God. He loves God and respects God and honors God, knowing that everything he has comes from God. Then in verse 6, the, the story takes kind of a, a strange turn. Now there came a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now the word Satan there in the Hebrew is the word Satan, and it, it literally means adversary or accuser. And so, of course, this name is, is that we see the word Satan uh, translated elsewhere in the, in the Old Testament, but it's a, it's a different word, but it gives the same meaning. So yeah, we believe that this is, this is Satan, which... To be honest, it always kind of bothered me. You know, why is, is Satan coming before God? I thought God didn't allow, you know, evil in his presence. So, and this, this is one of those questions that I'm going to have to ask God when I get to heaven. You know, hey, talking about the book of Job, what's up with letting Satan come in? You know, I, I didn't think that was allowed. You know, what's going on here? And uh, so, but again, don't get hung up on that. It's just one of those, those quirks that we're never really going to understand until we get to, script, until we get to heaven. Then verse number seven, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. So Satan comes before God and God's like, Hey, where you been, man? Oh, I've just been, you know, walking around the earth checking things out. Uh, verse eight, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. So basically what, what Satan was doing was he was looking for something in the earth to kind of use against God. And he comes before God and God says, hey, yeah, I know you can find a lot of bad stuff on the earth. There's a lot of bad people on the earth. But hey, if you look at Job, you know, Job's a good guy. You know, he, he's, he loves me. He fears me. He respects me. He walks with me. Job's Job's pretty good. So God is proud of Job, but, you know, God's the one that brought Job up to, to Satan. And again, that's one of those things that bother me. It's like, man, what are you doing, God? Why are you, why are you bringing this good, righteous, holy man to the attention of the, the accuser, knowing that he's going to try to, to do something? Then verse number nine, then Satan answered the Lord and said, doth Job fear thee for naught? Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath? On every side, thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and the substance has increased in the land. 
put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And so Satan says, you know, Job only loves you because you're good to him. Job only, only fears you and respects you and honors you because you, you're good to him. You protect him. You give him a lot of stuff. So, of course, he's going to worship you. You know, you, you take away everything he has, and he'll, he's going to curse you. I guarantee it. Look at verse number 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So God goes to Satan and says, All right, let's try it. You can do anything you want to to his possessions. You can take everything from him, but you can't touch him. You know, you got to leave him alone. And so Job, one day, he gets up and he's he's going through his work, his regular day schedule. He's, you know, doing business and working hard. And he got up early and prayed. And, you know, he's doing what he always does. And all of a sudden, a man comes to him and says, Man, the you know, this group of Sabians came. They took all your camels and... Then uh, another guy comes right when that guy's finishing up and says, fire fell from heaven and, and killed all your sheep. And then another guy, another guy comes and says, man, another army came in and took away all your, your, your she-asses. And then, you know, when that's going on, another guy comes and says there was a tornado and it, it destroyed the house your children were in and all your kids are dead. And so in a matter of minutes, Job loses everything. He, he loses his wealth and, you know, that's difficult. That's hard. You know, when you lose all your possessions and you got to start over, that, that's difficult. That's hard. But you can you can kind of get over that. You can start over. You can make do. You can, you know, tighten the belt buckle or whatever, and you'll, you'll be fine. But he also loses his kids. So in, in one day, he, he loses everything. He loses his possessions. He loses his wealth. He loses kind of his standing in the community. But he also loses his family. And his children are dead. And that's a, that's a hard uh, thing to go through. That's a that's a devastating. You know, losing one child is is heartbreaking. But he lost he lost all of his children, and that's just devastating to to anybody. And look how Job responds in verse twenty. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head. Those are all signs of of mourning, and fell down upon the upon the ground and worship. Now the word worship there. It means to just to honor, to bow towards, to respect. And he, he's worshiping God. He's honoring God, even in these hard times. And, and said, verse 21, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So Job's response to losing everything is to worship God, and to praise God and to say, God gave me everything. God took away everything. God's good no matter what God does. And that's that's a wonderful response. That's, that's what God's teaching us our response should be when we face difficult times. And it is hard. Now, you know, Lord willing, none of us will face hard times like Job did, where we lose all of our, all of our possessions. We go financially bankrupt, lose our home, lose our job, lose our savings, lose our IRA. And also lose our entire family in one day. That would be a, a devastating day to say, God gave me everything and God took away everything and I'm going to praise God regardless. And so, you know, Lord willing, we won't have to go through that, but we still go through hard times. Maybe we do lose our job. Maybe we do lose a loved one, a, a spouse or a child, or we have broken relationships and hard times. And what God is telling us is in all those things, our response should be to trust God. To say, God, I don't, you know, I don't like what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust what you're doing. You're good 
even when my situation is not good. And that's how we're supposed to respond to difficult times in our life. Uh, then in verse number chapter 2, uh, again, God, Satan comes before God, and God says, hey, remember Job? You said he'd curse me if I took everything away. Well, you took everything away, and he still praises me. And then Satan says, well, yeah, he praises you because he's healthy. Take away his health, and he'll curse you. And so again, God says, okay, fine. You can touch his body. You can make him sick. You can do whatever you want to do as long as the sickness isn't to death. He goes, hurt him physically. You know, you can make him get in an accident. You can take away his health. Do whatever you want to do. Just don't kill him. And so Job, the Bible says, um, in, in verse number seven, so went, Satan, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all. And he sat down among the ashes. So Job, his body is covered with boils, this horrible disease. And so he goes out and the word ashes there, he literally goes to the city dump. He sits down, gets a, a broken piece of pottery and just has to scrape his skin just to get some relief. I mean, he's in a bad way. His, uh, his kids are gone. His wealth is gone. His livelihood is gone. And now his health is gone. And look at verse number nine. Then his wife said unto him, so here comes his wife. She's going to encourage him. She's going to help him. Dost not thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. Not a great response. You know, that's not how we're supposed to go to people and say, man, your life sucks. You should just kill yourself. And, but look how Job responds. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall not receive evil? And all this did Job not sin with his lips. Now, that's an interesting phrase there. Job's not cursing God like Satan said he would. He's not, you know, turning his back on God and saying, God, why'd you do this to me? And I hate you and I can't believe this. He didn't curse God with his lips, but his heart is starting to get a little, little bitter. His heart is starting to get a little hard. And we'll see that a little bit later in the story. And then his friends come. He's got three friends that come to visit him and they, they come to him because they want to comfort him. You know, they know their buddy's going through a hard time. So they want to come and they want to comfort him. And they see him far off. In verse 12, it says, When they lifted up their eyes afar off, and they knew him not, and they rent their, uh, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. So his friends see him, and they're just, he, it's worse than they thought. They're like, oh man, I can't believe Job's going through this. And so they're mourning what their friend is going through, but they have nothing to say. So they just sit down and just sit with them. Here's the lesson there. There are times in our life, I've, I've faced them myself. And as a pastor, that's a hard thing to do where someone's going through a difficult time. Uh, they have a tragedy in their life. They have a, a heartbreak in their life. And I don't know what to say. I don't know how to comfort them. I don't know how to get them through it. All I can do is sit there and pray with them. All I can do is sit there and, and, and just be there. And sometimes that's all people need is for us to sit there because we can't, we can't explain what they're going through. Sometimes we can't relate to what they're going through. All they want to know is that we're there for them. You know, we don't always have to have to speak. You know, Paul says, you know, in the New Testament, he says, study to be silent. You know, Solomon says a wise man holds his tongue. You know, we don't always got to try to fix everything with everybody. Because sometimes we just can't fix it. 
I mean, what do you say to someone like Job? You know, what do you say to a friend who they lose their livelihood, they lose all their, their savings, they lose all their kids, their wife turns on them, they're, they're un they, they have this horrible sickness where they can't really get relief. What, what do you say to somebody like that? All you can do is sit there and be with them and just let them know you're there for them and you love them. That's all we can do. And in all that, Job hadn't sinned yet against God. But he does, he does later begin to accuse God. His friends later start to accuse him. So they show us what not to do in the upcoming chapters. But we see in these, these two verses, these two chapters, when tragedy hits, sometimes there's nothing we can do. So what our response is to be is to be, God, this isn't good, but you're good. And Lord, I trust you and I love you. And when tragedy hits a friend or a loved one, sometimes all we can do is say, God, I can't do anything for him. I'm just going to be there for him. I'm just going to love on him like I can. Thanks for joining us this morning for our word of the day. Tomorrow, we'll be looking at Job chapter 3. Hope you all have a blessed day.